Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Revelations, chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of the lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. So ends the reading. Well, good morning, church, and welcome again to those online. Hello to you, and those that will watch us later, hello to you as well. As we get uh, going here today, do I just want to let you know that uh, if you, those watching this later, that is, that are watching this, maybe just the sermon itself, we've had a great uh, worship experience here today where we remembered some of those that uh, passed away in our congregation this past year, and so uh, this is what we call All Saints Day, and so uh, today's message is tailored to that, so if you happen to watch us, you know, next summer or something like that. Uh, this is why the message is today tailored for this, this day. Let us pray together. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, of course, today is All Saints, where the church remembers all the loved ones that have passed on. And of course, we've lit those this past year, but I know in our hearts and minds, many of the loved ones that we have come to mind in these moments and on this day as well. Both our family and both those men and women of our life who have taught us about Jesus Christ, who maybe taught our Sunday school as a kid, maybe they were a pastor to us, maybe they were a church leader who reached out to us, or maybe they were just someone who told us about Jesus Christ. And as I come on these Sundays, it's always interesting to uh, take a moment to reflect about the fact that this life isn't it, right? And that this life is just the first chapter of the book that is eternity. And in fact, our Apostle Paul tells us in Scripture that this brief and momentary affliction is nothing compared to the eternity that is in Jesus Christ that awaits for us. And so in these days, I think it's always appropriate for us to just meditate a little bit on heaven. And I know maybe we have trials going on in our life, and many of the worries and concerns of our life are just kind of gnawing at us and maybe even trying to get our attention in this moment. There's time right now to pause and to just think about what is in store for eternity. Now, it's interesting because Scripture has a whole bunch of different ways to describe heaven. And in fact, I've told the story before, but on my dying days, or my mom's my dying days, that is, uh, her last few days, one of the last things she asked me, you know, I was a young seminary student, and my mom was on home hospice, and so I was there, you know, had the bed in the dining room area and all that stuff. And we were sitting there, we walked out to the porch, and we're looking, sitting on the porch, just you know, watching the birds eat out of the bird feeder and the sunset's going down. And, you know, Atlanta, that means all the mosquitoes are coming out and about to chew you up. So you got about a five minute window to enjoy it before you have to go inside. And uh, we were there sitting and, and she looked at me, she said, hey, tell me, what do you, in seminary, what did you learn about heaven, right? And I had to tell her, I was like, well, you know, mom, unfortunately, 
you don't really learn about heaven per se. You learn about how to study the Bible and all sorts of things like that, and it's really uh, not about, you know, learning exactly. But I can tell you what I've read, and of course she had done disciple class, like she had been like, through four disciple classes, which you go through the whole entire Bible and all that stuff. So she knew exactly everything that I knew. And, uh, and we just sat and we shared together about the idea of heaven and what it would be like. And I remember that being one of the most healing memories of my mom's final days, just to just sit there and talk with her. Someone who's right on the edge of, you know, crossing that River Jordan, if you will, to use a metaphor that's often used of going on into the next side of life. Sit there and talk with her and the hopes and dreams that she had. But it's interesting, I thought today would be an interesting place to start instead of looking at scripture first, but to go to some near-life death experiences. Uh, one of these, you may have, I read the book yourself, but it's a book called Heaven is for Real. I've, if you've read this book, anybody read this book? Raise your hand. A couple, okay, so a number of people, yeah. If you haven't read it, it's, it's, a, it's a worthwhile read. It really is edifying. It's really something that will lift your spirits. And well, the story is of a young boy, and uh, it's proclaimed to be, of course, a true story. Uh, the father basically wrote it, but uh, wrote it with a New York Times selling you know, person that had to help edit it and make it you know, publishable, if you will, and like all worthy of making a million copies and all that stuff. But it was written by really the father, and it was about the story of a young man named Colton. This young boy uh, you know, got really sick, ended up having, having an appendectomy. You know, when your appendix gets to the point where if they don't take it out, you're actually you're in a life-threatening situation. And Colton actually died, like literally died on the, the hospital room, if you will. And while he was you know, flatlined and all that stuff, his parents, um, of course, you know, heard the news and, and all that different things, and they were uh, talking to the parents about how they needed to do this emergency surgery and all this. And Colton, you know, ended up coming through, ended up being fine. And a few months later, all of a sudden, he starts talking about all the stuff he saw in the hospital. And they ask him, hey, Colton, do you remember being in the hospital? And Colton starts telling him, yeah, I remember. And he starts talking about how he left his body and how he went and saw them as they were meeting with the doctors in the other room and talking about his condition. They remembered, you know, uh, meeting family. He talked about how he, he remembers, like, the angels singing to him and how he met his family that he never knew, uh, you know, and all he, how he met God and how God was so really, really, really big. And he even describes Jesus, and he, he can't read. He hasn't, really, you know, done this thing, but, like, he describes Jesus, and the image he describes is, like, spot on the way Jesus is described in Revelation. And there's, there's all these occurrences that his parents go, this there's something here, right? And in fact, it got to the point where, you know, they finally wrote a book about it because they just wanted people to know because it was such an experience of this young boy who proclaimed, not only did he get to go to heaven, but his big message was the fact that God, I mean, if you want to sum up the book and the message of it, is God is really, really big. And he, he just wanted to let everyone know how much God's love, or how much God loves us, that is. And you can read it. It's, a, again, an edifying book and a great book. And the man is now a young man. And you can get on YouTube or whatever and find interviews with him as now he's like a young adult. You know, and he still says, like, this happened. Like, it's not, wasn't my imagination or anything like that. It actually happened. But the story that he tells was one of such glory and goodness and something really to be hopeful about. And, in fact, something that would be called the good news, assuming it's true, right? and the good news of the gospel that we believe and we know is true. I had a friend whose name uh, is Emily Smart. Emily, you sometimes watch shows, so if you're watching, I didn't tell you I was going to preach with you this morning, but hello, Emily, to you if you watch this later. 
uh, as well. But Naomi Smart uh, is one of our good friends, and we knew her from the first church and her family. Uh, they were ones that uh, they ended up going and moving to Japan. And in Japan, they were there, and uh, you know, the husband was working all that stuff, and there were kids were going to a private school that taught some English. And so they're at this private school, and they had field day. And Emily goes to this field day, and uh, all of a sudden, as she's just there, she collapses. And she's kind of just out of it. And unbeknownst to her, people are coming, and luckily there was like actually a heart doctor, a like specialized heart doctor that was part of one of the parents of one of the school people. And she, the person came over and was you know, doing CPR and all this type of stuff, trying to revive her. Well, Emily told us and sat down, and she waited until she came back to the States to tell us this story, but she said, hey, I just got to tell you what I experienced. And, and Emily told us, and, you know, Kelly and I, as we sat down at a table one day with her family, and they, she told us about the story of how she felt like she died. And she remembers, like, this overwhelming feeling of, that she felt, and she just described it to us. And she said, you know what, what I heard? She's like, one, I, f I knew I had died, like, I felt it, and I knew that uh, the first thing I felt was this overwhelming sense of light and love and warmth. And then she says, it was almost like my eyes dimmed, but then I could hear. And she said, like, I heard the sound of heaven. And you know what it was to me? It was children laughing. And she was at, I mean, it was field day, so there were around children were laughing. But she says, no, not like that. Like, it was something totally different. The thing that, like, when you hear children laugh and you just bust out in laughter and goodness and kindness and you just overwhelm, you know, where you can't help but gut laugh yourself because it's just so great in those moments. She said it was that kind of laughter. And I knew in that moment I was at total peace. I was just, it was just a glorious moment. And then they revived me back, right? <laughs> and she, lo, lo and behold, she, her heart had stopped. She had to have a pacemaker put in, all these different things. But she described this moment where it had totally changed her outlook on life. Because before that, she always worried so much about the kids and what their lives would be like and, you know, were they doing everything right and all the worries of life that you and I have. And she said, in that moment, she's like, it's all taken care of. It's all good, like. I'm kind of free in this moment to just live the life that God has called me to in utter freedom. And she told us that story. And of course, you know, whenever you hear these stories, there's always that moment of, you know, do you believe them or not and all these different things. And you, you struggle and, you know, the skeptics would go, no. And the people that believe blindly go, yeah, yeah, you know, why would you ever doubt it and all these things. But of course, you and I know that Jesus Christ is alive and well and kicking and doing things, right? And that he's not just sitting back and doing whatever, but he'll use any of our experiences to tell us and proclaim the love of Jesus Christ. So, you know, as a pastor, I would look at these stories that, you know, one, of course, is one from my dear friend, so why wouldn't I believe her? And then the other one, of course, being something that I can conceivably see, why wouldn't I doubt them? And I've told you some of my stories, too, as far as, you know, when I felt like I met my mom after she passed away, and I felt like I met my unborn daughter who passed away uh, when we had a miscarriage. And as I look at these stories, you know, I think about how they're told, and I think about when we come to scripture after hearing some of those stories, do they line up? And if they do, that's good news. That's really good news. That is good news. Let us all go home this day and continue glorifying Jesus Christ with the rest of our lives. Here's what it says in scripture to remind you again from Genesis chapter, or Genesis, Revelation that is, chapter 22. It says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. So, of course, John is, is having a vision. If you had never read Revelation before, this is one of the last things written in the whole Bible. So the book of Revelation was written by John, who's seeing this, he's getting revealed this, this vision before him of what is going to happen, how does this whole thing tie up, 
what is going to be the end result of all this. And God has shown them a new Jerusalem. And we've already got the part where he wiped, God's wiped away every tear from every eye and all that stuff. And John just keeps on going and talking more about heaven. And he describes basically the city and all the different jewels that are represented and all the colors that are there and basically had the dimensions of it and all these different things that he talks about. But then he gets to chapter 22. And if you've never read uh, through Revelation before or, the, or even the Bible before, this is one of the last things said, right? One of the last lost images that are given. And in fact, in most Bibles, this is on your last page. And if it's not, there's like, you flip the page over, and there's like two paragraphs, right? I mean, there's not much left. This is the very end. And again, it says, The angel showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing down from the throne of God and the Lamb, and down in the middle of a great street in the city. And on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be upon their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need light or lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Now, when you read Revelation, there's so much imagery that sometimes you got to remember what the imagery all stands for, right? And, and so, like, I always wonder, you know, in these images that John saw, is it like, literally, is that exactly the dimensions and all these different things of the street? Are all those dimensions, of course, telling us some great truth that the city represents in the vision that he saw? But either way, there's obviously, even if it is literally true, there's still the dimension of what these represent. And as you read this story and then read these chapters, one of the last things that God shows John in this vision before he says, all right, John, go out and tell everybody about it and tell them to tell other people about it. And furthermore, let everybody know, don't take anything away from this and don't add anything to it. Tell it exactly like you hear it to tell everybody what you saw. I want the churches to know, I want the people to know the vision that you had. And of course, he talks about those different things. He talks about the river of life flowing down from the throne. So one of the things that happens in heaven is it is full of true life. I mean, true life, the life that you thirst and pant for, those longings that you have in your heart, those longings that you wish could come true, and we try to fulfill by buying things, we try to fulfill by making people happy, we try to be, fulfill them by you know, climbing the corporate ladder, we try to fulfill them by doing all these things we always try to do, but it can only be found in God, and God pours it out from the throne, the life, to the people in heaven. And only does the river of life flow there, but the tree of life shows up. And I love how it's pronounced, right? In Genesis, there's the tree of life, remember this, but there's a tree of life, and there's the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and Adam and Eve choose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the tree of life was there, right? And you just wonder, you th sit there and think, you have to look at this, you go like, the tree of life had to look good. I mean, you can't be called the tree of life without having, like, the best-looking fruit in the world. And yet we chose, of course, as people always, to go away from the good-looking fruit and to go to the knowledge of good and evil because we crave all these different things. But nonetheless, the tree of life, that was always available in Genesis to Adam and Eve, that they were cursed and they had to leave, to never eat from it again, shows up in heaven. 
Not only does it show up and pronounce the curse is over by being just simply in its presence, the curse that was brought upon us by the fall of Adam and Eve, but not only that, but also the idea that it bears fruit year-round. There's going to be food in heaven, right? I mean, but in that food is good food. It's called the tree of life for a reason. It is going to taste like the best thing you ever had in your life. And it says that the leaves are the healing of the nations. Of course, when we get to heaven, one of the things that's going to happen to us is all the hurt of our life, all the tears that we shed, all the pain that we experienced. The scripture declares it's going to be healed. And you're not going to walk with either a physical limp or an emotional limp in heaven. You're going to be free. The reverse of the curse, and instead of curse, it's the blessing. There's light instead of darkness. And don't miss it, but we get to reign. Now, I don't know what it means by reign exactly, you know, when you think about that in that terms, but we're not little like peons in heaven. Like, we reign as children adopted through the Jesus, work of Jesus Christ, children of God. We spend our time worshiping and reigning. Now, of course, as you think about that, some of that imagery may be a little different than the other two stories I told about Heaven is for Real or my friend Emily or even the stories I've told you before. But the image may be different, but the message is the same. Because heaven is the place we dreamed it would be. Heaven is the place where our treasure truly is. Heaven is the place that we yearn for and long for. And each and every moment of our lives, as hard as it is, pales in comparison to it. That the victory of God through Jesus Christ isn't just for this earth. For you and I to have power now, it's for eternity. And we give glory to God for that. Let us pray. Lord, as we're here today, we thank you so much for the revelation that is that comes through this book. That, Jesus, you have shown us what it is at the end of time, what it is after this life ends and we draw our last breath. And that, God, in so many ways, this whole story of our lives is just a story of journeying home. And so, God, whatever trials we come across, whatever steep mountains we have to climb, whatever valleys of death we have to walk through, Lord, we remember that you're calling us to that new land, that you are faithful to bring us there. God, we remember, especially here again today, all those who've passed away. And God, because of your work, we do take comfort because we know there's no pain. We know there's no limp. We know there's healing. We know there's wholeness. We know there's life in both water and fruit that bears fruit every season. And that God will be there with them one day too. Again, not because of what we do, to proclaim Jesus Christ, the cross and the resurrection and the work that you've done for us. God, thank you. Give us that vision ever before us to crave heaven more than anything else in this world and direct our lives so that, God, one day we may come, stand before you, and, Lord, be proud of the life we lived because you gave us the, the gift and strength of seeing that vision to live for. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.